And we're going to read uh, something very uh, interesting, a scripture we've read before. But because of what I'm going to be talking about, it's going to be kind of a peculiar uh, thing. Um, but as you're turning, I just got this today, and, and thank you, she's here and her family. Uh, so a birthday card says, they say birthday ain't nothing but a number. Pastor Gary, and your gift ain't nothing but this card. <laughs> Hope your birthday ain't nothing but fun. Thank you uh, again. Just family. I love Valley Community Church, and we have a lot of fun, and we laugh a lot. I, when I uh, opened up something else this morning about 6.30 in my office, a card fell out, and it was from someone else, and, and it was the first day of, of football. And the card said, uh, hey, Pastor Gary, you know we really love you and love your sermons, but football has started. Don't be long-winded. <laughs> so, you know, um, we can laugh with, with each other, can't we? We can joke. We can, and we, we know it, it's fun. You know, and maybe some of you, it's like, yeah, Pastor, don't be long-winded. But the reality is, is, is we're family. And we, we handle the good and the bad and the ugly. Amen. And when stuff happens, stuff happens. But we have the Word of God that helps us to uh, go through all these things together as a family. So we will be uh, letting you know on Church Center information regarding Pastor Ben's funeral. Um, And I have not been able to get a hold of Sylvia as of last night. And so we will continue to do so, and we will let you know... uh, what our next steps will be to honor that family. We've been talking in this series of I Am Free. And today I want to talk to you about a mind that is set free. A mind set free. We've been talking about spiritual warfare also and regarding being in bondage in areas of our life even though we're born again. And sometimes being deceived, not thinking we are uh, in bondage in areas. But we can be set free from all things because that's the work of the cross. And in many instances, the enemy will, will keep deception going. And we're wondering why we can't get over or have victory over areas of our life. It's because there is there's spiritual bondage that is there. There's demonic influence that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you. So we've been tearing this apart, and we've been uh, grasping and learning and growing in this area and submitting ourselves to the Word of God and humbling ourselves uh, to real truth because uh, sometimes pride comes in. We've talked about pride. And because, you know, we're born again and, and you know, we have marks that we, you know, we've done great things in the kingdom of God, which all of us have, but there's still, no matter how mature we get, there's still an enemy out there that wants to come after you. So let's today talk about freedom from mental bondage, making sure that our thoughts are free. How many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you have had times in your life where your thoughts were just beating you up? You couldn't get over certain things. You couldn't get over uh, you know, some specific things and our hurt or anger or frustration or feeling worthless in your life and the enemy's coming at you and telling you, 
you know, you've really blown it. You've really done this. And, you know, you can't do these things that they talk about in church. Or you're trying to read and get in the Word and journal in the Word and have devotions. And sometimes it's just difficult because the way you think about life and the way you think about yourself, depression comes to set in. And it is a spiritual thing that's wanting to come in and to destroy everything that you have. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is victorious over everything. You don't have to sit there and think, well, I can't do this or I can't do that, because Jesus Christ has done this. No matter how you've been raised, what happened in your past, you can have freedom from these things that have bound you for uh, days, weeks, months, years, or decades. In John 19, in verse 17, it says this, And he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now, here's my thought process as we're talking about being free in our minds, in our thought processes. But it's interesting that, that Jesus was crucified on a hill that looked like a human skull. If you've ever been to Israel, you can stand on the Temple Mount and look north from the Temple Mount, and you can see it. When, when we as a church went, we stood there, and you could actually see that. Actually, the week we were there, part of the nose of the skull collapsed. So it looks like a human skull. So it could have looked like a foot. It could have looked like a toe. could have looked like an arm. But no, it looked like a skull. And I just want to tell you, it's just, it's just not a coincidence here. We need to really grasp, because the enemy wants you to think there's a difference between spiritual and your thinking, and there's not. Jesus came and took it all. Jesus came, and when he was crucified and shed his blood in that covenant, he took care of it all. So if you would have been there that day that Jesus was crucified, you'd have seen a cross on top of a human skull. So Jesus just didn't come to give us eternal life, which is amazing, but he came to give us a victorious life. I, I, I pause there because I want you to understand that. Because when you hear victorious life, our minds are telling us, uh-uh. I, I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling this way. I'm struggling in a relationship. I'm struggling in a marriage. I'm struggling with my children. Things are going awry, and, and I don't have a job. I don't have, you know, all these things. Even though you might be saved and on your way to heaven, you can live a life in complete bondage. We've learned in this series because you are only as free as your mind is free. Satan in Genesis 3 took, the Bible says, mankind captive. 
He didn't take us captive by a gun, a bomb. He didn't take us captive by a knife. He took us captive with a lie. So just follow my thoughts here. In the first word Satan said to man was this. Has God surely said? I'll say it again. Has God surely said? See, before the devil defeats you, he has to disarm you. He has to get you into wrong thinking. So in the beginning, God has given mankind his word or truth or his commission, an instruction, a command, or a duty. And we live that out in our life. But the first thing that Satan did to mankind was to call into question the integrity of God's word. Has God surely said? Many live without God's instruction. That's why at Valley, we talk a lot about getting in the word of God. So Jesus came as the incarnate word of God, in other words, deity embodied in the flesh to defeat Satan, and he was crucified, to take the curse away from us, giving us eternal life, and to give us back to us the truth that will set us free in our minds. That we no longer are captive by sin because Jesus took our sin. On the cross, when, when they, they pierced his side, the blood and water flowed uh, on top of the hill in the shape of the human skull. Jesus died for you and me, but he rose again in victory. Jesus came to set our minds free. Jesus came to set every area of our lives with a purpose of success. And how you get to that place is that your mind becomes free and be able, is able to think the way God thinks. <clears throat> John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So let me talk about three issues that are important regarding being free in our mind and our thoughts. There are three issues, three things that I want you to think about when you write these down. I want you to go over this and keep this in the forefront of your mind, your thinking, your thoughts, because we have to understand these truths. First of all, number one, is understanding the mind as the main battlefield of good and evil. Your mind is the main battlefield of good and evil. When we talk about spiritual warfare or engaging an enemy, Jesus calls Satan and his demonic forces influence as an enemy. So the enemy will attack but the main battlefield will be our thoughts. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apologize for that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, we need to understand something and, and begin to realize uh, what we are to do spiritually to handle and to take care of our minds. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down, watch this, remember the first word Satan used. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God or the word of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ or the word of God. So in other words, you look at every thought and you pull down those thoughts to where they become subject to the word of God. The way you think about yourself, the way you think about life, the way you think about God, the way you think about your neighbor, the wife, the husband, whatever it is, you are pulling down these imaginations, these things that are not truth, and you are subjecting it to the Word of God. In other words, it has to bow to the Word of God. What the Word of God says is truth, even though life out there has dealt you dirty in areas of your life. Paul says, we are in a war, church. We are in a war, and we are at war against thoughts. And we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's our warfare. It's not your neighbor that doesn't cut their lawn. Amen. It's not that boss that had a bad day. Always remember this. Every thought you don't take captive will take you captive. And any thought you have not taken captive has you captive. And you now, in your thoughts, in your mind, are in bondage to things that are not true. The warfare is not a warfare of the flesh. It's the warfare of the spirit. It is a spiritual battle. We are pulling down thoughts. Bondage is a house of thoughts. Bondage begins with a thought. And when you allow that thought to take you captive, that you live based on that false, deceptive thought, then you are in bondage to that thought. And what Jesus did is he went to the cross, that, and on the ground it looked like a skull, and I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, when he came and was crucified and rose again, if you have fear, depression, lust, anger, addictions, uh, a bondage uh, is a house of thoughts, the problem is not the substance. It's the way you think about the substance. Let me say it another way. The problem is not the circumstance. It's the way you think about the circumstance. The circumstance may be true in this world, but how are you thinking about the circumstance so that you are not in bondage to a circumstance? And let me tell you, in this world, 
you will, I'm going to change the word, in this world, you will face circumstance. The other word's tribulation. All right? Your problem is not your past. It's the way you think about your past. We have counselors in this house now, and they're shaking their heads like this because this is the battle. This is what our Christian counselors are battling. People that don't understand that the main battle, the battlefield is in your mind. And it's wrong thinking of the way you think about any area of your life. So bondage is a house of thoughts. And Paul says we are taking every thought, watch this, we're going to use the word spear point. That's what taking captive means. It's a spear point. There should be no rogue thought in our minds if we're going to live free. Have you ever done this? I've done it. Where in the world did that come from? Where in the world did that thought come from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the enemy. But what you have to do is take that thought captive before it captivates, I'm going to use a plural, captivates you. All right? So Paul uses uh, the word obedience. It's the word in Greek, hapakoen, I don't pronounce words well, which means to listen under, which Paul says what Jesus said. Paul also talks about the strongholds and arguments. Watch this. And they are the thoughts that the demonic realm has introduced to us. See, it's a spiritual battle. And, and, and a, lot of times, a lot of times we look at the circumstance and we think that's where the thought came from. No, it didn't. The thought came from the enemy using the circumstance to bring you in bondage. Are you following this? Okay, so, so you have to, it's a spiritual thing. It's not just some dumb dude hurt me. Or some floozy female, I'm sorry, I'm using, you know, whatever, <laughs> hurt you. Amen. The reality is it, there's a demonic oppression, a demonic influence that will take experiences, even good experiences, and pervert it and try to bring you into bondage. Why you fail and you, uh, I'm going to say it, you hate God. And you hate church. And, and you hate, you know, family. And you hate work. I don't like my job. It pays the bills. No, it doesn't. Well, you're in bondage. God says, I will take care of every one of your needs. If God bless you with a job, maybe God bless you with that job, and maybe we just need to learn through that job how to be, have greater character. Amen. And, and, and so we, we get to that, but we think, no, it's just circumstance. Everybody's after me. Okay, I'm a victim. That's the world mentality. Everybody's a victim. It's because of somebody else why I'm where I'm at. Well, we've allowed that to happen because it's taken us, someone does me dirty, I don't need to say, oh, you've done me dirty, now you need to come live with me in my house. 
No. You understand where I'm coming from here? Is that, that we allow people to rule our life because we've either unforgiveness, anger, you know, hurt, whatever it is, and every time you see that person in the grocery store, you run. Because they remind you of how they destroyed your life. They didn't destroy your life. That's what the enemy said to you, and you believed it. And I'm going to say this. uh, You know me. I love you. You're destroying your own life. You're in jail to that circumstance because of your thinking. So, Paul talks about these strongholds and uh, these arguments. So, let me just say it this this way. Um, Holy Spirit's kind of changing something here with me, and uh, let me just say it this way. How you need to handle stuff like this, very simple. If you smoke, tell yourself every time you want to smoke, you're not a smoker. If you want to quit. Say, I'm a non-smoker. Well, that's a lie. No, I just saw you light up yesterday. So you have trouble with alcohol. Tell yourself you're not a drinker when you want to. God didn't call you in your mother's womb as a drinker. God didn't call you, you know, in all these different areas that you feel that you're in bondage to. When you were in your mother's womb, you were not created to be a smoker or a drinker. My point is, God doesn't see you as a smoker or a drinker. You need to see and say God's thoughts of what he sees about you. You know, maybe someone called you ugly when you're young and you still feel like you're ugly. God doesn't think you're ugly. Someone called you dumb and you think you're dumb, and from that bondage, you can't even go through school because you just think you're dumb. And I want to tell you, God didn't call you dumb. God gives you the mind of Christ. I've seen some of the smartest men in my life who graduated from the third grade. The nicotine is not the issue. It's the way you think about yourself. It's things that argue against God's thoughts. Every time you're tempted in any area, say, I am not what you tempted in, what you were tempted in. Just say it. I'm not that. I won't, I won't fall to that. What will begin to happen in the process of meditating on that, uh, that you are not, it will change your mind about who you are. You then will stop smoking, drinking drugs, prescription drugs, lust, anger, etc. Be the person today that God made in your mother's womb to be. We live in a state that has no problem in killing a baby from conception to birth. Be exactly what God created you to be in your mother's womb. The problem is a toxic thought, a wrong thought, which is a stronghold. An argument that had to be pulled down. 
Every time you think you're going to do something good, it argues against you. Hey, you can't do that. You're not good enough. Why don't you just shut up and sit down because you can't do that. That's what it says to you. You absolutely cannot solve a spiritual problem with your flesh either. You just cannot do gooder. Remember that term I used to always use? That is the wrong weapon and realize you are the gatekeeper of your mind and you must decide what you think. God doesn't decide what you think. You decide. But you have to get into his word to think like he does. So for you to be set free, you have to decide. You know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll run from one thing to another, one thing to another, something new, something new, something new. Oh, I feel better now. God's really, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And after six months, a year, two years, their thoughts are the same, and they go back to the same stuff. I'm saying to you, church family, Jesus Christ went to the cross to set your mind free. So you need to decide to change your thinking. So for you to be set free, you have to decide. You must understand your mind is the battlefield, and the devil wants to fight you on that battlefield. For me or you to be victorious, the first thing you have to do is make Jesus Christ the Lord of your thoughts. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That scripture says, we love that, resist the devil and he will flee from you, but without submitting to God, we don't have a chance to resist or defeating the devil. How do you, how do you uh, uh, submit to God? You submit to God by getting in his word and thinking the way he thinks. So once you submit to God and his thoughts, you have every chance Church family, look at me. You have every chance of defeating everything the devil throws at you. So number one, the mind is the battlefield. Everyone say, I am free. free. All right, let's go to number two. Number two is understanding the word of God as a spiritual weapon. Understanding the word of God as a spiritual weapon. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, I'll, I'll read this very quickly because of time, but just follow me. Finally, my brethren, be, be strong in the Lord and in the power of, the might, of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Bottom line, telling you all of the demonic or satanic domain. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, done all to stand. Now he tells us what the answer is in verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith which, uh, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, all those false accusations, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So he says, be strong in the Lord. He doesn't say, be strong in ourselves. 
I just gotta, I just gotta get strong. No, get strong in the Lord. I just gotta suck it up and make it happen. No, get strong in the Lord. How do you get strong in the Lord? You get strong in His Word. So He uses the six elements of the armor of the Roman soldier, and um, He's going to explain this. And so I'm quickly going to do this now. Why I do this? Because I know that we're live online. I know that this is recorded, and I know that all these things are right there. So you have to recognize in your life, don't worry about that phone at all. I see all your eyeballs going over there, and um, someone's going to answer it or throw the phone outside, one of the two. But every element is a thought also in the Roman garb. He says, gird your loins with the truth. Now, in this, he uses a belt to do so. His sword hangs from the belt. Interesting, with a part of your body is where you reproduce and you eliminate. The very first thing, gird your loins with truth. It's where you reproduce and where you eliminate. When you're living your life based on God's word, you reproduce truth and eliminate error. I'll say it again. When you are basing your life on God's word, you then will be a person in your thinking. You will reproduce truth and eliminate error. When you do not live your life based on God's word, you reproduce error and eliminate truth. And when Christians are in bondage in their mind, that's what's happened. They have eliminated the truth, and they've allowed the the thoughts from the demonic influence to rule them, and now they're in bondage or taken captive by those thoughts. So the Bible says, make a decision that you're going to use the Word of God as the basis of which you reproduce in your life and what you eliminate in your life. I can remember that. I still do that. I'm, I'm telling you what, I... I've been saved 46, 47, I don't remember anymore, years. And I'm still eliminating. Amen. But I'm still reproducing. If it doesn't match the Word of God, take it captive and kick it out. And if it matches the word of God, I will receive it for myself and I will teach it to others. I will begin proclaiming what that says, who I am. Another is um, in the the Roman uh, uh, garb is put on the breastplate of righteousness. This armor put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covers the vital organs. If you're looking for a kill shot in military, it's around the vital organs. So it's the heart. So here's the spiritual content. The devil is always going to rob you of your joy and faith by condemnation. I'll say it again. Uh, you know, folks, you got to really hear this. This is so important. The devil is always going to rob you of your joy and faith by condemnation, bringing condemnation. Have you ever had something do something wrong to you and then you felt condemned about it? 
Have you ever had, you know, like your kids did something wrong, and you know you taught them well, and you know you taught them not to do that, but they did it, and you felt condemned? I want to tell you, because it's a spiritual battle of your mind. It's a spiritual battle. And in, in the breastplate of righteousness, says, the blood of Jesus is the strongest cleansing agent in the universe. When my sin touched that blood, I became the righteousness of God in Christ, no matter what my past was. Therefore, there is no more condemnation. Why are we condemning ourselves today? Why are we Christians condemning ourselves today? Every time the devil reminds you of your sin, you then begin to worship and praise Jesus for his blood. Amen. You know, you just begin to picture. He starts saying, I remember you did this 25 years ago. All of a sudden, it just got zapped because you just began to talk about the blood of Jesus. Because it already was zapped. But you're trying to believe a lie. All right, so let's go on. Uh, It's talking about the helmet of salvation. It means I think saved thoughts. My mind is protected with a thinking the way God wants me to think. I think saved thoughts. What does it mean to be saved? My sin no longer has power over me. Amen. How about my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Interesting, watch this, of a Roman soldier's sandals that they wore. Yeah, they won warfare and they wore sandals back then. But they had cleats on the bottom of them. They could run up a hill and make ground because of the cleats. So what this means, my life is not about fame and fortune making money. You say, what? Where, where, where are you getting that from? My life is about glorifying the God who saved me and takes me to heaven. See, my thinking is about the gospel of Jesus. Everything is wrapped around what the gospel is about. That before I was dead in sin, now I'm alive in Christ. And so everything that I do, I'm alive in Christ. I'm a son of God. You're a son, daughter of God. You're living your life in this process. But we, we, can't, we can't handle that because in our minds, it's always like, oh, man, I do this, I do that, I don't do this. And even Paul said it. He said, things I want to do, I don't do, and things I don't want to do, I do. Hello, world. That's what goes on here. But see, it's a battle, and it doesn't stop because you won the first battle. It's a battle no, no, longer, no longer how long you live. No matter how old you get, it's still a battle, no matter how mature or how many Bibles you have or how many Bible studies you've taught. It's still a battle. We're all in this together. That's why we're called the church, the family of God. We're together in this, and we are living our life in this area. My life is about propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the epitome of Ben Lozano. That was his life. He'd come up, and he'd just say, pray for me. I'm going to talk to someone about Jesus. And I, one time I said it to many times, I'm sure, I said, Ben, when don't you talk to someone about Jesus, right? Because his life was about 
the gospel. He understood. In his mind, everything is wrapped around the gospel of Jesus Christ. The devil wants to take those shoes off you so you can live for other things and have a purposeless life. And there are a lot of Christians today who are going to heaven and they don't have purpose. Because their passion isn't getting someone saved. Their passion is that they get to go to Burger King twice in a week. And they're excited. You know, that big whopper that's there. Minus tomato. Anyways. See, I rise up every morning and remind myself the reason why I'm alive is to be able to serve others. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect, but that's the reason why I live. There is no purpose greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then I take up the shield of faith. It was a full-bodied shield, not a hubcap, okay? Meaning I have faith that I'm saved. I have faith in the truth. I have faith in the gospel. I have faith in my God and the faith of God, all faith. Then the sword of the Spirit. This weapon is, watch this, I'm going to use a term, nuclear. Jesus went into the wilderness and he hadn't eaten 40 days. Satan attacks and Jesus defeated him with three scriptures. It is done in the realm of the Spirit, church family. When we understand that and we get that, and sometimes, you know, let me, let me just give you a secret. There's sometimes... There's a thought that comes, something happens during the day, and, and, and I, I get to a place, maybe I'm driving, I get to a place and I stop, you know what I have to do? Lord, I'm trying to remember that scripture. Oh. I Google it. Siri, you know, scripture about, wow, you know, I even do that. Now, I'm not advertising iPhones or smartphones or nothing, but I'm just telling you, stop being so spiritually minded where no earthly good. Is that there are times I'm a pastor, but I, don't have, I haven't memorized the whole Bible. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm there. And, well, I don't want anybody to see that I can't find that, that book in the Bible. So what I do is I look around and then I just open my Bible. And I pretend I'm reading it with a pastor. No, you're not there. You don't know where it is. Then Google it. It'll come right up. NIV, you know, KFSG, whatever, I don't know. Jesus went in the wilderness and he had eaten 40 days. And he defeated the enemy with the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. See that? And of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word finds the enemy and slays him, and it finds your wounds, and it heals your wounds. That's the word of God. Psalm 107.20 says, he sent his word and healed them, 
and delivered them from their destruction. So here's the third point, and we'll close with this point. We must understand or understanding biblical meditation as spiritual warfare. Ooh, pastor, meditation. Just hang on with me, all right? I'll show you what biblical meditation is. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Wow. If you meditate in the word of God, everything you will do will prosper. That's what it says. Meditate means ruminate, to ruminate. Did you know a sheep has five stomachs? They swallow and regurgitate four times. Cool, huh? Like, no, gross, that's bad. So, basically, what Scripture's saying, meditation, is to bring up the Word again over and over and over again. To continue to say it. Not just, you know, one time. Hey, the Word of God is so powerful, boom. Faith, boom, it's done. All right? But to continue, if you want to keep your mind in the mind of Christ, then you constantly have to get it in you and then regurgitate it. Get it in you and regurgitate it. Constantly say it. Constantly say it. Constantly say it. I walked towards Ben's room. I was praying over Ben's room. I proclaimed the word of God over Ben's room. I walked away proclaiming Ben's room. I went to bed, laid my head on my pillow about quarter to one this morning, and, and um, proclaimed the word of God. When I woke up and saw the text that he had passed, then I proclaimed uh, the word of God about heaven, the word of God about victory, the word of God about uh, eternity. And I began doing that. Why is that? Because I was sad. You get in the same emotional state also in your life. And we get into that, but we have to remunerate the word of God of what the truth is, even though we feel what we feel, because the enemy wants to come in and to bring a spirit of sorrow in your life and steal, kill, and destroy you. And to cause you to think that, why, God, you allowed that to happen? Why, God, did you do this? God sees eternally. God saw before the foundation of the earth, God saw Ben. And God sees because he's the Alpha and the Omega. We have to get to that place. Any area of your life, you are an eternal being. The decision that we have to make Are we going to think that way? Are we going to think in these areas? The Bible is not talking about Eastern meditation or New Age either. So let me just give you simply, meditation is reading Scripture, allowing it to go into your heart, thinking about it, 
then bring it up at certain times of your day. I'll say it again. Reading Scripture, allowing to go into your heart because you think about it. You know sometimes someone says something to you and you don't even remember a word they say. You're not paying attention to it. If you're reading the Word, you stop, you pay attention to it, let it get in your heart, and then bring it up during the day. Write it down and have it in your pocket. Bring it up, read it again, read it again, read it again. Or keep it on your phone. Take a screenshot of the Scripture and just keep looking at the picture. So it's like a computer. Let me explain it this way. Hardware and software. Hardware is the machine. Software is the program designed for the machine. So your mind is brilliant hardware. But we are born with an infected software, born in sin. The Bible is a software our mind and or our brain was designed to run on, not sin. So in Genesis 3, it tells us that is what, what the devil stole in building strongholds in our minds to keep us from the knowledge of God. The Word of God reprograms our brain. Okay, I'm not a computer analyst, so that's as far as I can go with a computer explanation. When you are meditating in the Word, you are literally downloading the software that reprograms your brain to think and act properly. You're reprogramming. Remember the teaching I did about, you know, a plane where if you see a plane that flies halfway across the world, um, it's computerized, but because of the wind and all the different things, it has to recalculate. Folks, we have to recalculate. How do you do? By meditating on the Word of God. Stuff happens in your life. Pain goes on in your life. Tribulation. And you need to recalculate your life. You need to recalculate your thinking because sometimes, you know, after a day of stuff and you go to bed, your brain doesn't want to think good thoughts. But you have to recalculate it. Because yes, that took place. True, that took place. But the truth is God's word. The truth will take place in your life because that's God's plan. Amen? So you're downloading the software that repro- reprograms your brain, and it also has a built-in virus removal program. That's your salvation. If you're dealing with condemnation, Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Guide you in the Word. If you're dealing with fear, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You're scared of something. You're sitting there just like sweating. You, you begin reading that scripture, reprogramming your mind. Anything you're going through, there's a scripture for you. Wake up in the morning and read what you need and meditate four times a day. I've done this for years in my life. You meditate four times in a day. Watch this. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 9 tells us how. 
And these words which I, co- I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let me simplify it for you. This is what I do. Here are the four. You do it when you're going to bed at night. I mean, you got to wait till you put your feet underneath the covers? No, when you're heading the bed. You take a minute and take a scripture. And then when you're waking up, it's next to your bed. You wake up and you read the same scripture because that's a battle you're facing. There are many of you, you're not battling many things, but there's a battle. The enemy's looking for someone who he may devour. All right? So when you're going to bed at night, when you're waking up in the morning, and when you're sitting in the house, how many of you watch at least 15 minutes of TV a day? When you're sitting in the house, okay, football game's on, commercial, pause, silent, read your scripture. Go back to the football game. God doesn't say, that's not going to work because you're watching football. You know, church, it's life. But after a while, your brain being reprogrammed well, now that TV is not going to be as important to you where it was before. And I'm not against TV. I just watched Michigan win Saturday. I'm not against TV. But the reality, you know what I do? I record almost everything that I watch because I can literally pause or fast forward anything. So here it is. When you're going to bed at night, when you're waking up in the morning, when you're sitting in the house, and when you're traveling somewhere. So um, here are the four meditative times of your day. When you're lying in bed at night, when you're lying in bed in the morning, when you're sitting in the house not doing anything, and when you are going somewhere. Wow. You know, there are times... In, in my day, that when I'm going somewhere, I'm going to go to the grocery store, I get in my car, and if I don't remember it, I Google it, and I get in a scripture. Sometimes I'm sitting in my car for about a minute. And why I'm there in a minute? Because I Googled the scripture I've been quoting all day to read it again before I went to the grocery store. And what does that do? It reprograms my mind in the battle that I'm in of that day. And by the end of the day, I've won because I've meditated. I didn't do this. I meditated. This is where the devil will attack you also. Notice when you're busy, that typically is not when you struggle you got stuff to do. But when the devil attacks and you have a scripture ready to fire, the devil loses. He loses. 
it works the same with Jesus as it does with us or vice versa. Jesus did it. We do it. It works. You can't take your thoughts out but replace with the thoughts. All right, I'm going to ask everybody if you just stand with me and we'll close with this. <coughs> Excuse me. So let me show you how you can replace a thought. Okay, everyone, pay attention to me. I know some are going out in the foyer to do their ministry. Now, church, I want to say something to you. I don't want you to do this, okay? All right, everyone say, I don't. I don't. Say, I don't. Because I don't want you to think about this. I don't want you to think of a pink elephant. All right? Stop. You're thinking of a pink elephant. Right? How about a blue frog? You see that blue frog? Isn't he beautiful? He's so beautiful. The devil comes in fear, with fear, but you, re- you replace it with 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, replacing the thought on fear. He comes with a fear. You're thinking about uh, what's going to happen, the, the experience or the result of what's going to go on when you go into that test or whatever you're doing and you're all full of fear. You just quote it. 2 Timothy 1 says, For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. And you just keep doing that. You know what happens? That fear thought disappears. Amen. If you don't like blue frogs, then quote red frog. And you're going to think red frog. Easy for me to say. But the reality is, that is how simple meditation is. But I want to tell you, God created you as a people that when you do it, it transforms your thinking. And you no longer think the way you used to. Well, I tried that, Pastor, once. It was 8 o'clock in the morning, I said it, and all day long, all I could think of is what? Oh, because you didn't do it again. You begin professing that, what the truth is. And God gave you this computer that it will be transformed because that word is powerful more than any other word. It will divide it all. It will put it in its proper place. And you will be able to say, in my thoughts, I am free. Amen? Amen. Everyone put your hands up to the Lord. Just cup it to the Lord as you're receiving from Him. In Jesus' name, I proclaim an absolute revelation, a simplicity in our hearts of what was just taught. Lord, this seems like it's something hard, but it's so simple. Because you know I do everything simply. In Jesus' name, I proclaim a blessing over this home, this place, this church, this family. Lord, the extended homes that are represented here, in Jesus' name, blessings upon blessings. Lord, we take every thought under captivity of the Word of God. And in Jesus' name, 
we can now begin and continue and say, I am free in my thoughts. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord an applause. What a joy it is to be with you. I can't wait till 6 o'clock tonight. We're going to serve communion, have a special family prayer for you. It's going to be a great time. God bless you. See you tonight.